Hello again. Welcome into the podcast. We are going to walk down memory lane today and uh, tell some stories because I have none other than... I'll give the official introduction and then I'll call him what I really want to call him. But back in 1996, he was appointed Reds physician. And then after that, for 25 years, is the Reds medical director, Dr. Timothy Krimchek. Doc Hollywood, though, that's where I'm going. How we doing? We're doing great. Marty Brittaby give you that name, Doc Hollywood? Oh, yes, he did. He gave me a lot of names, but that's the one. <laughs> hey, like, that, welcome to the club. That, that's right. That's the one that stuck, <laughs> and it stuck, and I have people from all over the country calling me this now. Yeah. Now, the reason they called you that is because back in the day, it's a little different now, but, man, you were uh, – you were on every TV broadcast, radio broadcast. They put you out there. Uh, I guess I started with Jim Bowden back then. He was a GM, and right? Yeah, I interviewed, I've interviewed for the job. I got it, and, and when I showed up and showed my interest and enthusiasm, Jim was getting beat up uh, in the press talking about injuries, things he didn't know about. He finally said, I got a guy I'm going to put in front every night. And so I remember Butch was just starting back then, Rob Butcher. Rob Butcher. And Rob would call the press, TV, radio, everybody. Every night I gave an injury report, talk about every player. Yeah. One day Marty Brenneman walks by and he goes, wait a minute, what's going on? You're Doc Hollywood. <laughs> and after that, man, everybody, I mean, from the West Coast now, I can't go to a Dodger game without the, well, it used to be the announcers at the Dodgers go, there's Doc Hollywood. We thought we had a Doc Hollywood. You're the Doc Hollywood. <laughs> well, one of the, uh, didn't you race Deion Sanders? And he said, "I got you, Doc Hollywood." Oh man, that was, yeah. let me tell you when I first one of my first years here. Deion Sanders shows. I mean, everybody knows Deion. Prime time, baby. In prime time, the Dallas Cowboys, Atlanta Falcons. And I remember looking at him. His ankle was sore, and I said, "Dude, you. I mean, I'm not fast, but you can't be that fast." Yeah. And he'd look at me like, "Huh?" And I, he, I, he said, "I'll tell you what, man." This is in Sarasota. He goes, you take a little modified lead off, not, nothing unrealistic. It's second base. I'll be at home plate. Boom, I'll race you home. And I said, come on. There's no chance. And you're in your chance. 30s then, right? You're in your 30s. I was in my 30s. Yeah. I said, there is not a chance that you're going to beat me home. And Griffey's out there at this point. And, and, I mean, everybody's watching, Lark, everybody. And all of a sudden, I'm at second. I'm in shorts. I'm in gym shoes. And he's at home plate, fatting from the left side. And all of a sudden, boom. Well, I don't look back. I'm chugging, man. I'm going from second. I'm round. I probably made too big a round at third. And I'm going around third. I'm heading for home. And all of a sudden, this whiz comes right by me. Shoom. <laughs> and I said, wait a second. There's no way you did. Well, it was on film. Well, this guy yeah. goes around second base. And he made no loops. I mean, it was like a straight oh, yeah. line. And he's looking at home plate as he's rounding second base. And he, just, and he got home and he goes, I got you, Doc Hollywood. <laughs> That's exactly how I remember that story being told, that he whipped out a Doc Hollywood. Oh, he did it. The guys were laughing. I, and I You know, I didn't live that. that I mean, when, when the players would show up, uh, new players would show up, they had heard about it. They, I mean, they either thought, you're slow as a turtle, but man, that's a pretty good feat right there. I mean, that guy was moving. That's the fastest guy. He may be the fastest guy in the base pass in, in baseball history. I'm not sure there's anyone that has been faster, particularly going like first to home or what you just said. Great, great. Home to home. First of all, a great guy, unbelievable athlete. And I'll never forget, everybody was in awe because he's in the NFL and doing all that stuff too. I never forget Junior's son, Trey. 
He said, yeah, I want you to teach Trey defensive back, you know, how to do some football moves. We'll leave the tack. We'll have somebody else teach him how to tackle because <laughs> Dion would always kind of just roll down oh, and yeah. roll and, and, and try to trip people up. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, that was a fun kind of stuff that used to go on in the locker room. It, it was great. Oh, and the, there's some uh, stories to be told from uh, that era, which we'll get to. But you, what have you done more than 700 operations on big league and minor league players? Would that would that be in the ballpark? It's ballpark. It's growing, you know, whether it be red. Minor league. I mean, that's a lot. Just well, baseball. I mean, obviously, you've done thousands on just the general public. Well, but. you know what happened back then? You know, baseball medicine was just getting started. We were one of the pioneers of getting trainers and strength and conditioning and developing our minor league program. And Tommy John was kind of in its infancy. And you get good at it. And the players knew how you cared. And so our players stayed and the word got around to other teams. And Boy, I tell you what, I mean, is there's not a day that goes by even today that I don't get MRIs sent from agents or teams or players to take a look at old players that we had here that want to come back for their care. And there's nothing greater than that. And so, yeah, the, the, the number is getting close to 1,000. And wow. it, it just keeps to grow. It keeps well, growing. Great. And you've built your practice uh, upon really uh, becoming the Reds uh, physician then, I guess you were called the Reds physician, and then right. later Reds medical director and chief surgeon. But Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, um, which I've been to, which is a great facility. And I'll want to talk about the memorabilia on the wall up there. But, uh, I mean, you've operated on the likes of Ken Griffey Jr. and Larkin and Votto and Roland, the great aide and Brantley. I mean, it, the, the list goes on. And not just Reds players, but to give you an example of how respected you are in the business, you other teams call upon you. All yeah. the time. It's mostly their agents or, yeah. or, or the team themselves. And, you know, it's, it, I love baseball. I grew up a Reds I was, I was a Red Sox fan for a long time growing up in Massachusetts. But in 68, became a real Reds fan. I loved the game, loved the team, have always loved the organization and still do. And, you know, I, it, I, I get the baseball channel at home. So I'm watching guys like Chris Bassett. I'm watching in yesterday how he pitches a great game against the Mets. We did his Tommy John or Clevenger or Plezak or even guys on our team, the people you didn't know, Diaz. Uh, we did his Tommy John. Solomon, you know, and the guys that you, you're right, the, the Vados of the world, the Stevensons of the world, the Senzels of the world. And it gives you a lot of pride to watch him go out and succeed and, and, and do well and, and, and grow and you know, basically, you know, as we're doing and hopefully doing more and more of is winning and being competitive and taking it to the next level. These are long days. I mean, it, it sounds, you know, you're sitting out there listening to this and you're like, wow, you know, that sounds like a dream career, which it is. But we're talking about some long days because you start very early in the morning at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Uh, and then you had to be down here every game. So... The days had to be just really long. Well, it, what happens is this, and I tell people all the time, and I have young partners that say the same thing. Hey, it's great. Just go watch some ball games. It's not like that. Yeah. Uh, the phone calls come every day. You have to love the game. You have to love the organization, and you immerse yourself in it. You, you, you live and die with winning, with the success that the players have in the field and how you've treated them. But you're right. I, I'd get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, whether it be operating uh, all day, coming to the stadium, games that start typically at 7 o'clock at night. You're done at 11, you stay for the visiting team too, 11, 11.30, and get up and do it again. And two-week homestands, it really it wears you out. So I don't know that that will ever be emulated again. But And I tell people that are going to do this, if you don't love the game 
and you don't love the team and the organization, it's a job you'll never last. But if you do and they treat you well, which the Reds have always treated me well, they always have. Uh, it, it's 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 been a great journey, and it, it's still a great journey. I'm 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 their number one fan. Now I would correct me if I'm wrong. In 1996, when they had you semi start working with the Reds, did you operate on Brantley? One of the first things? No, no. What happened was this: is I was taking care of all of the events at the Coliseum. I was taking care of the Cyclones when I came back into practice in 1993. And we had a hockey player named Paul Lawless, who was one of our stars. Mm-hmm. And he had the same injury to his foot that Brantley had. Well, Jim Bowden wasn't getting any answers. So he said Brant, uh, Lawless got back on the ice and the Cyclones were good. Who, who took care of him? Well, it was me. And so he called and wanted to know how to make this work and ask if I told him my dream job was always the Reds, but I've never pushed it. He set me up for a four-hour interview. And I told him, I said, you know, Jim, uh, if I do this, I'm all in. I'll come to every game. No, he goes, no, you won't. And I said, yes, I will, because I love it that much. And I did for over 20-some years, every game, spring training, and occasionally taking some road trips with the team, which was a lot of fun. Now, when Brantley, you worked on Brantley, did he insist upon leaving his cowboy boots on? No. <laughs> the, the, so, now I didn't operate on Brantley. I didn't. Oh. I didn't do the. I just kind of. I, I sent him to my foot and ankle guy, gotcha. who at the time right. took care of him and did a great job. You know, he subsequently had some other surgeries with one of my associates, Andrew Rosano, who did a great job. But Brantley's been great. He's been fantastic. The Cowboys, <laughs> one of my favorites. He's one of my all-time favorites. Uh, likewise, he and I spend a lot of time together. <laughs> so, you know, he's always got those cowboy boots on. Now, tell me if I'm wrong here. Um, early on, when you're, you know, you're 30. I don't know how old were you? 34. When 34 I years old. So you're walking into a new situation, and you're walking into a major league clubhouse. It didn't Larkin make you feel comfortable? Is that true? Do I have that right? Yeah, I got the job in December. It was front page of the sports. You know, Reds are changing them. It was a big deal in town, and it was, okay, reality hit. How am I going to fix this? You know, I had Chief Bender call me on the phone saying, we have all these minor leaguers. We don't know what's happened to them. We don't know if they've had surgery. I mean, it was like herding cats. And I was revved up to go to my first spring training in February 97 in Plant City. And so they hooked me up at the Ramada Inn there, which was big. (laughs) There were strawberries everywhere because it was a strawberry festival. I had a player named Ricky Bonus that was right right next to me. He was a pitcher. (laughs) And I showed up early the first day, and, and they have a big team meeting, and there's Jim, and there's Doc Rogers, and all the players, and I'm standing there not knowing what to say, and the reigning MVP of 96, Moeller graduate Barry Larkin, who's one of my very good friends, comes to the middle of the whole circle, and he introduced me, puts his hand out, gave me a hug, and he goes, we are all, and me especially, glad you're here. That's great. Bingo, ice broken. Yeah. It was awesome. That's huge. That's huge because it was his team then. I mean, it was was his team, and I think he wanted – he wanted he wanted high cl- level of care. He knew what I wanted to do, and Barry's a smart guy, and so you know he's been patient, friend, everything since. All right, now one of my favorite characters of all time in the Reds uniform is Pete Harnish, and is, there's 
he got you good one day, did he not? With a little bit of a wardrobe. Should I call it malfunction? What should I call it? <laughs> it's not a malfunction. I, <laughs> as you said, for, first of all, Pete was always, he was everybody's favorite. I mean, he had that New York kind of, but hilarious. he was hilarious. Yes. I mean, Pete's the guy that knew how to take the players and bring them down and take the stress off. We're in spring training. And I'm standing out the buses at Sarasota ready to go to a game. And all of a sudden, here comes Pete, totally naked, with a baseball bat and a baseball <laughs> helmet on and gets on the bus. <laughs> I'm looking at it going, and everybody lost it. I mean, it was just one of those things to bring everybody together. So Pete and I became, I mean, we were similar ages. Yeah. And so, you know, he, <laughs> every day I would get up in the morning and I'd go down and see the players. And I, this old workout room, I'd always go work out dur- early during the game. And I wore the same thing. You know, I tied back then, that kind of thing. So anyway, it's the second inning. I'm doing a Stairmaster, whatever it is. And they come running in, and they said, Larkin's down. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. So I run back to the clubhouse, and I put my underwear on. They cut the bottom out. It went up over my head. (laughs) I put my pants on. They undid and cut the belt in half. So I took the belt. It broke in half. I put my shirt on. The buttons were gone. And I had no tie because they cut that. And I'm thinking, what? What am I going to do? And they're all around the corner cracking up. They thought it was one of the funniest things they'd ever seen. And to me, I'm, I, I didn't know what happened. I thought Larkin was still down. I mean, the game's going on there. <laughs> but again, that made, as, as funny, as, as stressful as it was at the time, that made me feel part of the team. Absolutely. The guys wanted me around. I was one of them. <laughs> there are so many Pete Harnish stories out there. And the one of getting on the bus naked happened more than a few times. Oh, he did. A, he did a number of things that were fun. But Pete was one of the most kind-hearted guys you'll ever meet. Yeah. And when he was hurt and we operated on his elbow, he was coming back. And my son Teddy, who was was like my mini me, everywhere I went, he went. And that, and, and Pete's the one that named Teddy Teddy Ballgame. So every everybody, oh, really? including Nuxie and Marty and everybody, uh, he was Ballgame. Hey, Ballgame. And so Teddy was six. And Pete comes out to Indian Hill, and he's pitching batting practice to his to the team. And he's going, Doc, they're shelling me. They're killing me. This arm operation didn't work. And these six-year-olds are going nuts <laughs> on him. But that's what Pete Harnish was all about. He yeah. was an unbelievable teammate. Yeah, he was fantastic. Now, um, coming up this uh, summer in July is the Hall of Fame ceremony. Danny Graves, Bronson Arroyo are going in. And that's coming up July 15th and 16th. 15th, there will be the ceremony on the field before the game, uh, which all the Red, you know, the Hall of Famers uh, that are in the Hall of Fame right now will be down there and they'll be making speeches. And then Sunday, the 16th, is the Hall of Fame Gala, and that's at the Duke Energy Convention Center, which is a great event. Now, tickets are available for the game and for that event. And if you love Red's history and you love ceremonies like this, and you love all the old Reds coming back, this is the ceremony to go to, is it not? Oh, my goodness. It's it's in, it's incredible. And, and the memories that it will bring back is, you know, Danny Graves, I remember he first started, he's sitting in my old office. I had operated on his shoulder. And him and I became fast friends after. It was Pete that named him the baby-faced assassin. He said that it was Dion. No, he no. He told me it was... I think it was Pete Harnish. Really? Came up with oh that. wow! We got controversy because Danny Graves was on this podcast like two weeks ago. No, I'm I'm pretty sure it was Pete. Really? I, I, now, yeah, I'm not sure Dion didn't say it, but then yeah, we go way back, and obviously Bronson 
uh, coming in who just well deserved. We have breaking news here at the Jib Day podcast. We have controversy over who named Danny Graves the babyface assassin. I'm going Pete Harnish. You're going Pete Harnish? All right. But I'm going with the source that the actual baby-faced assassin says it was Dion. All right. Uh, all right. Well, Dion I'm, makes a better story. It makes a better story, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to give it to Pete Harnish. And that's right. more his character. Yes, absolutely. Which is one of the all-time great names in sports history, by the way. Sorry, it's nicknames. Go. Oh, it was, and, and and Danny was obviously he's going to Hall of Fame. He, would, he was dealing back then. Yeah. I mean, this guy came in there looking... Who is this guy? Yeah. Bing, bing, bing. Goodbye. Yeah. yeah. He threw a sinker on you, man. It was over. Those were the days, man. It's like I, I, I remember Denny Nagel. Denny Nagel used to be one of these guys. Used to drive Pete Harnish crazy. He'd go around with the horn, the the, the train horn, and I'll never. And, and Denny was always this guy who knew everybody. And and he, we became very good friends. I ended up doing his Tommy John when he was with the when he was with the Rockies. So he, <laughs> I'll never forget. He goes, Doc, you want to meet Sugar Ray? I said, yeah, he's going to be down in the locker room. He goes, he goes, I really want you to meet him. Well, again, I'm not that hip, so I go down to the locker room looking for a black boxer, <laughs> and I don't see him. Let me guess, it's Sugar Ray. Yeah, the band. and he goes, I said, who are you? He goes, that's Sugar I said, that's not Sugar Ray. He goes, that's Sugar Ray. What's well, the wrong Sugar Ray? <laughs> was it the band? It was the guy, Sugar Ray. That's very funny. Now, I imagine Arroyo, who's going into the Hall of Fame, that – he wasn't injured. Did you ever have to work on him? No. Well, he was never injured. He was with never the injured, but it was funny. Again, Bronson, again, another great teammate. Oh, and you talk best. about a guy that would help the clubhouse guys. He was just one of those guys yeah. that everybody liked. And I remember him being intimidated. I think he was kind of upset that he came from Boston to Cincinnati when he first got there. But I yeah, think he was. Cincinnati has really grown on him. And he, uh, but yeah, one day he was filming a commercial. And and he did something for JTM, cut his hand. He comes flying up to my oh, office. Yeah. And I'm, oh, my. I had to take him to the OR and sew up his hand. Yeah. I'll never forget, he was going to pitch early in the season. This was early. And he had numbness in his fingers. And I thought everybody was going to go bonkers. They're all looking for, Doc, he can't pitch. He has no feeling in his fingers. And I said, it'll come back. Relax. <laughs> But what a what a what a well deserved guy to get into the Hall of Fame. No question about that. Again, it's going up July fifteenth and sixteenth, folks. If you're a Reds fan, these are must attends at some point in your life, and no better time than now. All right, we're going to talk about Ken Griffey Jr. and Larkin and Roland and Vado, and we're going to do that with Doc Hollywood right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Dr. Timothy Krimchek, better known as Doc Hollywood. All right, Ken Griffey Jr., he his hair tears his hamstring literally off his bone. He got a lot of grief because of injuries here. But that hamstring injury was about as bad of a hamstring injury as you could have, right? That was a bad injury, was it not? Well, it was. 2003, 
he's in right field in, in San Francisco and hurts his hamstring. Well, okay. Trainer's calling me. Take care of it. Hamstring injury. It's about two weeks later. I'm driving in my car and phone rings. It's Junior. He goes, Doc. Hey, we say, Doc. This isn't getting any better. I want an MRI. I said, we can get an MRI, but I, I don't know how that's going to change things. We get an MRI, and it's pulled completely off the bone. I'm thinking, wow. oh, my goodness. I said, uh, okay. I said, I'm going to send you down to North Carolina. There's a guy who takes care of the North Carolina women's soccer team. They fly down, him and a trainer. Yes, you need an operation. Yes, you need this fixed. I'm sitting in my office the next day, two knocks on the door. It's Junior. He goes, Doc, I need this fixed. When are we going to do it? I said, Junior, I've never done that before. I trust you. I want you to do it. Wow. You think the medical books were open that night? They were open that night. You're operating on arguably, I mean, one of the best, the greatest baseball players in the history of mankind. And well, you're operating on his hamstring and you have never, you had never done it? I had never done, I mean, obviously I've done a lot of surgery, but I've never done specifically right. that one. And I, you know, I knew after reading, I knew how to do it. But you know, it goes back to that whole thing of being involved and being part of the team, part of the organization. He knew that I would do anything in the world to help him get back on a field and play. He knew it. He knew that I was the guy who was going to spend that extra, whatever it's going to take to do it. And that meant everything to me. And I'll tell you what, so we fixed him. He, you know, we fixed him. I remember going to visit him at his, you know, after we had fixed this. Well, we made him a scooter. Well, unfortunately, the scooters were only turquoise. And he looked at me and he had this harness on him. He goes, Doc, I, you know I'm never going to use that scooter. I said, why not? He goes, look at it. We had to take it back, <laughs> and we had to really fix it up. We, we had to trick it up. We tricked it up. It was black and this and that, and he goes, all right, that's more like it. <laughs> I mean, the operation was easy. It was getting the parts afterwards that he would actually use. You know what made me feel great, though, is he, the next year he won Comeback Player of the Year. Yeah. It's front of Sports Illustrated, and he actually paid – there was a picture of him, and it's him hanging in my office, a sequence of pictures when he played with the Mariners, him going over the uh, wall in Detroit, catching the ball, throwing a guy out at home. And he had a guy, the photographer, he blew him up. One of the great defensive plays of all time. Unbelievable. And there was a sequence of five of them, and at the last one, he, when I got it, he signed it. He says, Doc, thanks for all you did for me. The only other guy that could have done that wears a cape. Wow. Well, I got them, and it was awesome, and it cost me $7,000 to frame them. <laughs> and I still tell them to this day, I said, dude, come on. It's costing me money to take care of you. <laughs> well worth it, though. Now, speaking of this memorabilia, if you go up to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, how many things do you have on the wall? And just give us an example of, because of, when, when I went up there, I'm like, goodness gracious. I was like a kid in a candy store. I'm like, look at this picture and this picture and this and this and this and this. And they're all signed jerseys. And Well, you know, it, it's funny because anybody can hang up stuff on their walls, but everything on my wall has a story. Every player has been cared for. Every player has, if they've signed it, they signed it to me personally. Yeah, but and 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 so that's why the memories over the years. I have a stack. We our chiropractor Mike Rolfs every year goes to, when, when opening day they have a lineup picture where all the players are lined up on the first base line, and I have twenty seven years of lineups going all the way back to nineteen ninety seven. So just going back and seeing who was on a team, who was managing, what were the starting eight. 
Uh, I've got memorabilia from Lark, so much from Junior. And what really, the stuff that I think is really cool, I grew up a Big Red Machine fan. And so I idolize those guys. I mean, when Johnny Bench was going to be at Chilitos, I was there. Pete Rose <laughs> was going to be at Pogues, I was there. And you couldn't, those were guys who were untouchable. But now they're my patients. I've operated on them. You know, operating on John a number of times, Johnny Bench, and him just sending me photos of things that he had signed and put quirky things on it that would mean something to me. But back then when you're a kid, I mean, Johnny Bench, Pete Rose, Joe Morgan, Tony Perez, Geronimo, Concepcion, I mean, Ken Griffey Sr., with these guys, they were just so untouchable, so far away, so such icons, such, it was huge. And now I've operated on every one of them. And they show up and they become friends. And it's just, again, if you love the game, you love the history of the game, you love the organization, it just gives me a lot of pride. Now, at Beacon, just explain, I guess, the nuts and bolts of, let's say, a player has Tommy John surgery. Okay. What's the day like? Well, what happens is, you're right, we're very big. I built a place at Summit Woods to take care of the Reds. I mean, everything else came in fits and you make it work, but I did it and designed it so I could take care of the Reds. The MRI suites, the surgical suites, the separate entrance, the sprinter that I have to pick up players from the airport, other teams. And so guys will come through the back door and get seated in a private room and all the rooms have pictures and televisions and a separate entrance to go into the MRI and viewing rooms and the operating room for agents and family and private rooms to recover. All that was built to take care of the Cincinnati Reds. And again, it just goes with that whole idea of how important and where you need to put these guys and how they need to be taken care of. And it translates, whether it's Mike Clevenger from another team or Bassett or when Roland was with the Cardinals, when he came over and was, I mean, they'd never seen anything like this. And so I think it's trying to be emulated. It's, it's all fits together, the care, the treatment, the day-to-day, the being part of the team, the program, where you are, how you're doing this. And um, it's something that I'm, we're only making better and better, and it's something I'm very proud of. And I appreciate you bringing it up. Tommy John surgery. People hear this Tommy John surgery. First of all, it was People that don't know, it was named after a guy. Actually, his name is Tommy John. That was the first surgery that they... Not the underwear. Correct, not the underwear. Uh, This was an actual pitcher in the 70s, Tommy John, who had the surgery first. Explain quickly in layman's terms what this is, because it still amazes me that this works. Yeah, if you look if you look at your elbow, the inside of your elbow, where the bone is, where the funny bone is, there's a ligament. And every time you throw, you stress that ligament. Well, these guys throw hard enough that the ligament, you need everything working together or that li- the ligament will tear every time. So when that ligament tears, you have to take a tendon and make a new ligament. And over time, that tendon becomes a ligament. We call that ligamentization. And Frank Job did this, who was one of my, it was like an icon. He took care of the Dodgers for years. Tommy John couldn't break a pane of glass when he pitched. But he did it. And he, he transferred it over. He had a little nerve problem afterwards, but he went on and won so many games afterwards. And quite honestly, the procedure itself and the rehab is pretty much the same now as it was in 1974. Really? Yeah, we do other things to help tweak it, and and we do other things for the shoulder, the core, all that kind of stuff. 
But if you're not proficient in Tommy John surgery, it's hard to take care of a Major League Baseball team. Because that's, quite honestly, it's one of the probably 90% of the time you yeah. have to really do something. Oh, yeah. And you're taking that ligament from their leg? No, you usually take it, it from their forearm. Sometimes their you can form. take it from their leg. But, you know, you look at guys and look at our team now. You know, and I had uh, Diaz as our closer, who's unbelievable. I mean, he gets on that mound, and this guy is, like, lights out. But we did his Tommy John when he was in the minor leagues. I didn't know who he was. I did his Tommy John like anybody. And he finally said to me last year, he goes, Doc, you know you did my Tommy John. I looked, I said, I did. I mean, because he had, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, you take pride in that. I mean, here's this yeah. guy dealing. Yeah, absolutely. So do you – it's – so again, you're taking a ligament from another part a of the tendon. body. A if tendon. You, I'm sorry. If you take your, if you look at your forearm and you yeah. take your thumb and your little finger yeah. and you push them together, yeah. there's a tendon. You see something pop out. Yeah. You take that tendon and you transplant it into the inside part of the elbow. So they don't need. You don't need that tendon you that you don't. take it from. You do not. That, that it's like an appendix. It's it's a tendon you don't need. Do you take it from their non-pitching no, arm? No, t- you take, take it from their pitching arm if they have one. Now, twenty-five percent of the people don't have it, so you go the other arm, or sometimes you take it from the leg. Yeah. Wow. So, what about guys that have multiple ones? As you've already taken taken that. Well, tendon. you mean revision, Tommy John's? Yeah, yeah. Then you have to go to the leg. There are some people using cadaver stuff, but that's mm, you don't want to do that if you don't have to. Wow. Well, we've got some more stories to be told with Doc Hollywood, and we'll do it after this. All right, back with Doc Hollywood. All right, let's, uh, if you uh, love the Reds, what did you say you started loving the Reds, like 68? 1968, first game, August 8th, Bob Gibson pitching against Jerry Arrigo, Crosley Field. Wow. Eight oh five game, by the way. Yes, which... I tell people, younger people, that before the pitch clock, um, games used to start at eight oh five, and it was no problem because you know you didn't have the games were broadcast on TV every night, so you didn't have those longer TV breaks. So that you know, blame the TV folks, talk on TV yeah. people, those idiots, yeah, terrible. <laughs> but those games would get done in a little over two hours. It would be it was no problem starting at eight oh. Could you imagine before the pitch clock, games starting at eight oh five, getting out some games would go to midnight? Crazy. Well, that's when pitchers, though, you know, again, going back and loving a game, Jim Maloney's throwing 140 pitches a game. They pitched nine innings. Yeah. And the pitchers are every fourth game. Yeah. They weren't every fifth back then. And they got the ball and just fired it. There wasn't a lot of uh, adjusting the gloves, walking around the mound. It was a different game back then. We're getting back to that, by the way, this pitch clock. Thank you, pitch clock. Yes. Because uh, it's a game changer. Now, 1974, along comes Martin Franchester Brenneman. And or is it Franchester Martin Brenneman? <laughs> Get that right. <laughs> uh, so Marty and Joe were obviously big for you. What was it like to work working around Marty and Joe? Because that's a different dynamic. Well, you know, when you come to the games every day, you're here an hour and a half, two hours before the game, take care of the players. You know, I and I have gone to a number of ownerships. I used to hang out with Marge, shot a lot. But I would go sit up in the back of the booth with uh, Yiddy and 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 uh, um, uh, Seg and Marty and Joe. And I, I, again, it's, that's it, where I met you, by the way, in the radio booth. In the radio booth, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And I would always tease Marty. I'd say, and he'd always bust my chops. And Joe would. I said, really? That's anybody can sit there and call a baseball game. And he challenged me. He goes, really? You think you can do this? <laughs> and I I said, I know I can do it. 
and the challenge was on. And so I started in spring training, Sarasota a couple times and, you know, Marty's sitting over yapping and Joe's busted my chops. It was one of the innings, one of the many innings that he got off during the games. And, uh, there was a game in 1998 and he would always say, get, now you put it on a calendar cause I'm going to promote it. I'm going to get you up here. You're calling a sixth inning or whatever it was. So we're playing the Houston Astros and all of a sudden I'm in the booth and here I come. He gives me the introduction and he's, so I'm finally, I get up and, and I said, okay, now what we need to do is we need to get, we need to rattle this pitcher and get into their bullpen because their bullpen's been struggling and their bullpen is not very good and we can hammer them and this, being a real homie. So all of a sudden, the next day, one of the Astros was hurt when this was at Riverfront Stadium and that was a dungeon back there. And there's Joe doing a pregame show in the back area. Well, I'm standing back there looking at one of the players and here comes Billy Wagner, their closer, hot-headed. And he comes in and there's Joe and he goes, who was on that radio yesterday? Some, I think it was some doctor talking about our bullpen. If I can get my hands on him, I'm thinking, uh, there's Biggio and, and there's Bagwell here. I'm not getting out of here alive. And I'm looking at Joe, and Joe's kind of like teasing me, like, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell him. I said, don't you say a word. I'm sweating bullets down there. This guy's got red in his eye looking for some doctor. And Joe goes, I really don't know who that guy is. I mean, he's one of Marty's friends. I'm not sure who he is. And I walked out there. I, th- I thank Joe forever for that one. He saved, he saved your life. Oh, my goodness. He was mad. Yeah. Now, I came back. I was working in Florida. And I came back to Cincinnati in 2000. And it was the final few years of, of it was Synergy Field then. But it's Riverfront Stadium forever. Um, some of my cherished memories are sitting at the dinner table at Riverfront Stadium with you and Marty and Joe and everyone holding court. Those were, we had so many laughs then. Do you remember those? Oh, I remember going up there. Oh, I, again, I was there every night. Yeah. And and they're up there and ice cream machines up there and Marty's busting on everybody. And here comes Rob Butcher. Always. And anybody that came through was fair game. Just crushed. Yeah, you better have thick skin or don't even go in. I mean, you better watch what you're wearing because <laughs> yes. everything, your glasses, anything, you're going to get beat up. Yeah. And it was all in fun, but you're right. It was hilarious. Yeah. I remember the first time Marty got on me and I'm like, I grew up idolizing him. You know, I listened to Marty and Joe every night. Those that have listened to this podcast know I was the transistor radio kid sneaking it into my room under the pillow, etc. And he busted me one night. It got on me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It, like, hurt my feelings. And then people were like, no, that means he likes you. That means he he doesn't do it unless he likes you. So just get used to it. So from there on, it was every single day to this day when I talk to him that it's like that. It's it's the same way with me. I mean, I get a few. (laughs) He calls me. I get a few jabs. and But I love, I mean, obviously, how do you not love Marty? And I'll never forget, he took up golf, and he hurt his elbow, and he needed surgery. And he's laying on the OR table. He'll tell you the story. Before he goes to sleep and he goes, he puts his, this is his right arm. He puts up his left finger and he goes, I know you've done all these players. I know you've done all these guys. But if you screw this up, I'll be on the radio and you're done. Do you understand me? And I'm thinking, dude, I'm about ready to operate on you. Why would you do that now? Oh, yeah. But that was Marty. And you said that left, yeah, he was left-handed. So he would point his little, and it's his finger was like kind of bent. Yeah, and he pointed. So it's this little... 
it's this list motion like this. I wish you could see it right now, but tell me that's not it. Uh, that'll be talked about on the radio. He would always threaten like that'll be talked about, and you know, ninety five percent of the time it never was. But he would threaten. Oh, and, and, and I'd say, put the mask on him, get him to sleep, breathe the green gas, let's go. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, so late 90, 90s, if we're going back to the 90s, Trader Jack McKeon. You know, I met Jack my first year in Plant City, and Jack was an older guy back then. And, you know, I, I didn't know anybody. Jack was priceless. He was. I mean, to sit in his office, I'll never forget. He said, Doc, I need some, I want you to come to Houston. I'd never been to the Houston Astrodome. So I said, I went with the team. And we're sitting in the dugout. And the team wasn't great back then. And he looked at me and he goes, I got a bone to pick with you. And I said, what's that? He goes, we've got more MRIs than RBIs. <laughs> and I said, I'm not. <laughs> that sounds just like it. I used to love he would uh, sit with the media and he would work the room. And they'd be in a circle around him, and he'd say something, and he would lean, he would like look clear around to everyone, like I want, re I want to laugh from everyone. He would just, he would work the crowd. <laughs> it was great. He, a baseball guy, but just a nice, nice man. Yeah. That that I again, very good friends. Did you ever have? Uh, I hate to bring up bad things. But did you ever have any confrontations where, like, uh, I mean, I'm sure you, as a doctor, you have to deal with some bad things. Yeah, and not many. And again, that's one, good. One, one that's of the good. things that the players always understood is that, and and the Reds have always been good about this, is that if they were hurt, it was their best interest. What was yeah. in best interest of their health, their career, to move on. I mean, there are some players that you know, we've had disagreements. Homer Bailey, who we fixed a couple of times, and he was just frustrated. Yeah, but it wasn't personal. Right. So for the most part, I don't I don't remember a lot of the I've, the managers that came through were awesome. Dusty was Dusty Baker. I love Dusty Baker. Uh, you know, so I love that man. For my fiftieth birthday, my favorite player of all time was Willie Mays. Yeah, it is Willie Mays, and my wife worked it out that through Dusty that I would meet Willie Mays and go spend a weekend with him. So we, we, so what happened was they talked in spring training. My birthday's in July. Hold up. You're spending a weekend with Willie Mays? Oh, this is incredible. Oh, Yeah. And Dust, Dusty, Hillary set it up with Dusty. And Dusty said, I, you know, I'm tired of getting to meet a middleman. Here's Willie Sell. So she would call Willie Mays. And Willie Mays would get on the phone and goes, yeah, that's just what we do. Don't worry about it. We'll spend three days together and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, about... Three days, this is a surprise, about three days before we go, my wife Hillary's driving in a car, and all of a sudden she hears over the news, Billy Mays just died. Well, Billy Mays was the guy with the Gorilla Glue or whatever, the stick up, <laughs> and she almost drove off the end of the road. She's saying, wow! And she found out, looked it up, and said, no, it's Billy Mays, not Willie Mays. So <laughs> we, 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 <laughs> we flew to San Francisco, and Willie Mays met us in the player's parking lot, spent two hours with him, went up to his box, spent two days with him, talked baseball, everything. I love the man. Willie Mays said he used to go around third base, and if you ever watch pictures of him coming home, how he would hook slide to catcher. Oh, yeah. He said the only two guys he couldn't do that to were Johnny Edwards, played for the Reds, and Johnny Bench. They're so thick bottom. He he said, well, he went in with Bench one time and tried to wrap his foot around him. He said he almost broke his leg in half because Bench didn't move. Yeah. But you could usually spin the catchers around, he yeah. said, and the ball would go past him. 
Well, incredible. But Dusty, that's just what Dusty did. He yeah. considered me part of the team, and anything he could do to help, he did. That was just Dusty. I loved uh, And all the success he's had, nobody wants him to be more successful than me. No one deserves it more. I'm so glad he finally got the world championship. Uh, he was he was a joy to listen to every day. I got to tell you, there are some managers you're like, oh, I got to listen to another session of this. <laughs> But Dusty, I learned so much from him every day. He was always quoting Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. He was always, you know, Hank did it this way. Hank once told me, Willie once told me, this guy once told me. And it was just a, a learning experience all the time. And it was enjoyable. He was entertaining and he was, uh, oh man. It's the history guy. of the game. I remember spring yeah. training. He loved to have the older players come by. Yeah. How the game was played, how yeah. he wanted to get, it was, it was just. And again, he was in that same era of guys that I idolized. He was the left fielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Those eleven o'clock games that I couldn't wait I used to in not 1975. Like yeah, well, of course not. Ron Say and him and Garvey. Couldn't and stand him. Messer then. Smith, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, Hit the road. Couldn't stand the Dodgers back then. <laughs> Steve Yeager. <laughs> when they first hired Dusty, I'm like, oh man, I gotta become close with a Dodger. Absolutely. <laughs> but but again, one of the best. Absolutely, so so happy for him. Are you? Uh, what have you? Did you do Vado? Did you? Did you? Um, the surgeries that he had recently. I mean, your your associates. No, I did it. Yeah. Okay, you did it. Yeah. Okay. So those are your. Now, as we speak, he's still um, not back, and he's now going to Louisville for another rehab. But these are significant injuries. You think of having them at the same time: rotator cuff, and what the shoulder bicep, bicep, bicep as yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, that's significant. I mean, what we're seeing is almost expected that it's been this long. Of course, yes. I mean, you go back to last year. Again, Joey's another guy that I grew up with. I mean, I was I had been here for 12 years when yeah. he started, mm -hmm. just a kid. Yeah. And so we've done multiple procedures and things on him over the years. And again, it's just one of those things, it's a trust factor. And you know, he finally said, my shoulder's hurting, and it's been hurting for a while, and, and you know, worked him up. He said he injured in 2015. He probably did. Yeah. And and just knowing Joe, what he's done, and he's very cerebral about the game. My, uh, it blows me away. Oh, he's unreal. Yeah, no, he blows me away. Yeah. And he's on the phone telling me this one day. I'm thinking, uh, I went to medical school. I took organic chemistry out of it, and I still don't understand what you're saying. I <laughs> made <about> my life. <laughs> it makes sense to you. But no, I mean, what people don't realize, it, it finally took a lot for him to get this worked up and shut himself down. And it was a significant injury, significant problem, and uh, it really hurt him. And I think he he's a very prideful guy and he's worked as hard as any athlete as I've ever ever seen uh to come back from this and, and he wants to do it the right way and I take my hat off to him I mean we talk period we talk all the time actually and uh you know he's going down to Louisville now I think I think he's going to do real well and as he t as he always texts me back he goes I'm going to make you look brilliant I said you might have to do more than that to make me look brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Doc Hollywood, Dr. Timothy Krimchak. Over 25 years, he was the Reds medical director and uh, the one of the founders of Beacon Orthopedic and Sports Medicine. And you are doing great things with the public, by the way. I mean, the way that you help people. The high schools, you're involved with the high schools. I just think it's terrific. I, you know, I, I appreciate that. I mean, it's one of the highlights of my career. I'm going into the Moeller Hall of Fame next Friday. 
And uh, big Mo. Oh yeah, it's a, that's a big deal. You know, I mean, Muller High School. What 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 my father was to them, and being able to take care of them for thirty years has been fantastic. And again, if you live in the city, you cheer for the city, whether it's the Reds or Xavier or UC or your high schools. It's 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 what it's all about, man. It's what yeah. it's all and giving back if you can. What about the the field, the namesake? That that I, we you know, Mullers never had their own baseball field. As yeah. many of these ball players, Larkin, the Bells, uh, Griffey, Griffey, um, Hi, Adam Heisdu, Suter, Brent Suter, another yeah. patient, mm-hmm. never they never had a football field or, or a baseball field. So which is crazy. So I helped them in 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 some way finance the, the baseball field we named and I named it actually after my father. It's Kremchek yeah. baseball. It's Kremchek Field. Right. And uh it's still not done. We have to improve the stands and do stuff like that, but it's a beautiful facility and it's great for the high school kids. You do great work, Doc. It's been great uh being able to call you friend. And I hope that I am not a patient. <laughs> I hope you're not a patient either, but you can call anytime. Uh, I I just do make know sure that. you have your copay <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is giving back, but you also have to give back. As That's well. exactly right. <laughs> it's just the way the world. Am I getting works. paid for this, by the way? Uh, um, thank you, Tim Kremchak, <laughs> for uh, being. <laughs> Unfortunately, the budget for this show is very low, and it's a staff of one. <laughs> You're looking at him, pal. <laughs> I'm very sorry. We'll work out maybe a gift card or something. That that'll be great. Can can I give you a gift card or yeah, maybe a ticket to a game or something? I could arrange a ticket to a game, but I'm pretty sure that pass around your neck will get you anywhere you need to go in this stadium. Oh yeah, looking (laughs) forward looking forward to the rest of the season. All right, he is Cincinnati through and through. He is Dr. Timothy Krimchek, and we thank him for joining us here on the Gym Day podcast. And the number one thanks goes out to you for checking us out each and every week and we will see you next time bye bye